0: Hey guys, you're listening to episode 81 of the Finish Line Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of faith, generosity, and personal finance. Today, we're talking to serial business owner, life coach, and author Joe Sharp. Hey guys, welcome to the show. My name is Keelan and I'm here with my co host and brother Cody. Today we're talking to Joe Sharp. Joe has started a variety of successful businesses, planted a church which he now also pastors, and coached many businesses and leaders on how to incorporate kingdom focus and purpose into their work. He also lives out a reverse tithe, giving 90% of his income to support kingdom related work. He's thought deeply about what it means to radically follow God in every aspect of life, and you won't want to miss what he had to share. Before we get started, you know this podcast has grown almost exclusively by word of mouth. For those of you who have helped us get the message out there by sending a link to a friend or sharing on social media, we just want to say thanks. It really makes an impact. If you think this or any of our other conversations are thought-provoking or inspiring, take a second to share it with somebody who might need to hear it. We have been blown away at how God has used some of these stories to make a radical impact in the world of generosity and missions, and you very well may be a link in that chain. All right, let's get to the interview. All right, we're here today with Joe Sharp. Joe, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it very much.
0: So why don't you kick us off just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today?
1: Well, that's a loaded question, but I would say that, (laughs) you know, by the grace of God, he saved me, clarified the purpose that he had for my life, and then gave me a passion to really help other people identify their God-given passion and purpose in their lives and then walk that out and kind of manifested into lots of different businesses and ministries that continues to unfold what i've found is as you continue to say yes to god if that remains your constant answer the holy spirit will lead you on a wild ride until you go to be home with jesus so
0: yeah absolutely maybe you can start us off just telling us a little bit about some of your faith background and your time growing up and how that kind of sets some of the foundation for where god has led you more recently
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, my background, different from some for sure, did not grow up in the church per se. My mom and my grandparents were involved in Lutheran and Presbyterian churches and stuff. So I might go like on the holiday. Dad was Catholic, kind of forced upon him, and then really wasn't interested in organized religion at all. So pretty much growing up, you know, it wasn't a major existence in my world. But really, you know, from there, fast forward 26 years later, my dad gets stage four cancer kind of seemed like out of nowhere because he just didn't go to the doctor and stuff. He was the type of guy that would just you know, grind it out. And by the time we found out and by the time he passed, it was less than a month and boom, gone, you know, his life's over and it gets you thinking like, what's the meaning of life at that point, leading up to that, honestly, I was one that would have called Christians Bible chuckers and really didn't have anything to do with them, you know, but through that pursuing what life is about, somebody that I went on a date with and to this day I can't remember who it was because I was a single back then, but it turned me on to the purpose-driven life, took that and I was in Jamaica and just basically had an encounter with God, reading that and realizing there was a you know a plan and purpose for my story. I was understanding what a relationship with Christ looked like. A little bit after that, you know, I accept him by myself actually in my house on Thanksgiving in 2004. But those few months there really Changed my life radically, and then after that, you know, I to go find a church and fast forward Later, I am going to run a bunch of business ministries, I'm a pastor of a church, like you know, church plants, and just it's been crazy. So I didn't have that faith upbringing rooted in Christ, you know, home that my home is now for my kids. But you know, that's kind of my story, and I would say that my dad taught me a, a ton through his life, but God taught me even more through his death. And so because of that, you know, we know that God brings beauty from ashes, but my testimony really is that, that, you know, that was a turning point for me. Wasn't maybe like my, I wasn't on Damascus road and I didn't get blinded, but for me, pretty much an equivalent of one life done a completely new life in Christ launches.
2: Yeah. Joe, can you share a little bit more about the purpose that you discovered and how you were able to start expressing that in the way that you were living?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting when you look back in the rear view mirror and you can kind of see, you can start connecting the dots, but there was a day, July 24th, 2008. So again, a little bit South of four years after I was saved, I'm in a program called strategic coach. So it's like a business owner's master's program type of thing. And I'm at one of their quarterly workshops in Chicago. And we did this tool called stage two U And it was basically like you had to write a story, future date, what, you know, what your dreams would be and stuff like that. And it was all that I would say is I've had other moments like this, but it was like a straight download, like from God with Holy Spirit gives me such a vivid vision of what I was supposed to communicate. Like I could barely write fast enough. If you've ever been like writing really, really, and you almost feel like you're getting carpal tunnel or something. You know? <laughs> so I'm filling this tool out. But because I remember my initial reaction was like, as I'm doing it, like, how is this going to be possible? Right. But I'm just recording it like faithfully, like what I'm getting. And it was saying, you know, things like, you know, published author, speaker, you know, business life coach, like none of these things existed. Like I was a business owner You know, I succeeded and failed in some of those up to that point, but I'm writing out very, very specific things and felt excited about them. But after I wrote that, it was like, I just start having ongoing dialogue with God. I'm like, well, how am I going to do this? And it was just like divine appointments. He starts bringing people to me that are almost like I was like sent by God and now you're supposed to coach me. And I'm like, okay, now I have a business practice going. At that time, I'm (laughs) supposed to be like, just doing it to help people, right? Despite it, now, fast forward today, it's the number one thing I do with my time, you know, simultaneously coaching, you know, dozens of businesses and helping them to walk out God's purpose for their business. And it's been crazy, but, you know, I'd say that that day was a big launch point because it had me realize, like, I should say a few years leading up to that, there was, so like the coaching company starts to unfold and there were things from 2004 to 2003, 2004 to 2008, where I was pursuing, like, I always felt like inside of me, there was something more that I was supposed to be doing than sharp innovations. My longest standing company that's about almost 25 years in the making. It's successful. It's great. It's a blessing. But there was still a longing, like a hole in my heart that God had a greater purpose for me, right? And, you know, I've always been a, a dreamer. The book I wrote was called Running Down Your Dreams. Like everything I do is pretty much around that. But In those four or five years, 2003, 2008, I was at real estate. I launched a dating service. It was all sorts of things that trying to pursue, like, what was that thing? And these were things that I was in, that God wasn't in. And then God clarifies that July 24, 2008, what that is, as if like, hey, Joe, you've had your story, but this is my story. Will you now trust me and walk this thing out? And as I did that, I mean, supernatural things would take place, including the story of Kingdom Crossroads and stuff. But like my one of the properties I have. And what I've seen in that is, you know, he had in my story of me being obedient to walking out the story he had for me, he made it very, very clear that he uniquely qualified me and called me to help people do the same thing. And, you know, you can follow somebody that has what you desire, right? You know, so. Like I teach people all sorts of things like in the business coaching, like how to run and create self-managing companies that run and thrive, run by themselves and they're kingdom oriented and stuff like that. But it's like one thing if I'm just like a college professor that's got my, you know, I don't know, my hat, and my pipe or whatever, my books and I'll fit the part, but I've never run a business. I don't know what I'm really talking about for real, for real. And, you know, the testimony that God gives us when we many times come from come from a place. God does what only he can do. Inside of that, that purpose is not just for you, it's for other people. And, you know, I'm just, I am very passionate about helping people to identify their calling and how to walk it out. And I think it's just something God's planted in me. So,
0: yeah. And, you know, that experience that you talked about having a couple occasions of really getting kind of at least a clear next step, maybe not the whole picture of everything that God's going to do. But I'd love to hear just a little bit deeper into what that process looks like when, you get this big download of vision and then, you know, eventually you stop writing and close up the book. What does that look like? And I know others can probably resonate with that kind of feeling. So what did that look like for you to take a next step? And what kind of advice do you have for somebody trying to kind of walk out that vision that God has kind of given them, knowing that God doesn't usually give us the whole plan all at once? It's very much kind of trusting him along the way.
1: Yeah, I'll try to stay on point with what you're asking me because as you do it, like tons of my stories come up and then I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I could go off on a big tangent, you know, related. But anyway, so I would say, you know, God giving me, literally giving me properties supernaturally, planting churches when I had no interest in it or like many other stories. There is clarity that you have and you know it's from God and then it's like, okay – what do you do about that? and I feel like what you do about it is literally just take the first step and while, that might sound like cliche or something I think that's the truth. so in my room that I'm in right now, I mean over there I have like this huge whiteboard you know that has all these things like you know prophetic words spoken I got different things taped up and like mappings and and I'm kind con- like prayer walks on and like what are you doing God and like there's a process that will unfold where I would tell people, journal, we only know in part, God continues to reveal. We can't always handle the full truth. So like, you know, he knows how we can handle it. Like some people aren't ready to go all the way. So he'll hold our hand through that process. But it's really just simply the blessing of God follows obedience. And it has to be a commitment to say, I will do whatever you have for me, no matter what that means. And so if a person doesn't have that, if they're not settled in their heart in that space yet. There, they will wrestle the most. So I don't claim any brilliance or intelligence past that besides, you know, I'm just crazy enough to say yes every time he shows me what to do. And I've gotten more comfortable with it. So it's more freeing than more that you walk in obedience. Because, I mean, honestly, truth be told, I feel like I get fresh, consistent vision of like where I think he might be taking me or, and or where I want to go in aspects of my life. Even honestly, like I feel like I have pretty fresh vision for the next 30 years if I'm here. that might sound like a really long time period to people, but like, but the reality is, I'm sure there's a lot there that I can't see that's going to manifest if I'm still alive here, he didn't take me home, that I just have to have open hands and say, whatever you want it to become, right? And so we can't hold on to what we want or what we thought we saw. I've had lots of stories of things that where I even thought like God was really in a specific thing and then it didn't play out. And I'm like, I don't understand, but he takes all things and uses them together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And so, I don't know. I think inside of that, it's like, don't hold on to your dreams with a death grip because they might be yours and not God's. Make sure you settle in your heart that you want to live out the balance of your life in obedience. And that matters more than anything else. I mean, the word teaches like, he doesn't really just want our sacrifices. Like they can't honor God. They can't bring glory to God, but he wants our obedience. That's what he really wants. And again, you'll hear this phrase I use a lot for real, for real, but like for real, for real, a lot of people don't actually want to be obedient all the time. They want to be obedient when they want to be. And even if it's a high percentage, and I think it's just getting to that place where it's just like, bro, sis, just be obedient, period. So,
2: Joe, I'd love to hear some of these stories of the things that have aligned and, That God has been in it and you've been able to look back and recognize that, and it's led to all the other things that you're doing. Can you share the story of Kingdom Crossroads, how that came to be?
1: Yeah. And if we don't hit it now, like at some point, Kingdom Crossroads Park, it was a piece that I thought was getting bolted onto that story. It's an example of one that, like, God, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like the counter story to Kingdom Crossroads. But anyway, yeah, Kingdom Crossroads. So, this story, and it's kind of like near and dear to me today because I just paid it off yesterday on my birthday. Wow. Congratulations. And yeah, it was yeah, and it was super cool, like you know, the beginning of it though. So a little bit less than nine years ago, my wife and I were going to Hawaii. We were building a house and had a baby dude a couple of months, and driving to the airport, and on the way past, it was like maybe about four minutes from my house there was this old like four lease warehouse sign that was up on the side of the road. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, pull over. And I was like, what the heck? And so I pulled in this upper parking lot. So if I just got to get out of the car, I feel like God's talking to me. And she's like, all right. like whatever. So I go to it. I'm standing in the window of the, what I thought was the only building, but this property had multiple buildings. I thought they were separate properties or whatever, but I'm standing looking at the one through this dusty window and I'm out there to talk to myself, so I'm sure if anybody's like walking by probably think I'm like weirdo or something, but I'm like, <laughs> God, like why am I here? I'm I'm looking through this window though, in a word. I don't know if you've ever it's it was like a moment of deja vu, but there was a word that popped into my head. And I know depending upon where people's faith backgrounds come from, you know, some people speak about words of knowledge and things like that, and God, God speaking to them, and communicating. Even if it's not audible, but just like in the inner man they kind of feel like God's communicating something to them. Same thing could happen if you're reading the word. But anyway the word Funimals popped into my head. Like, I'm like, why am I here? Funimals. I'm like, funimals. It's like I know what that means, but I don't know what that means. Um, I'm like wrestling with him about that, and I look further through the window, and I see this old like table with some t-shirts on it. As I look at it closer, I start to see these characters, these little characters. Now, I'm looking through a window, and like, it's pretty far away, right? But the more I look at it, I'm able to see that these were the Funimals characters. And then it was like Boom. Like 13 years prior, I was there at this building. And I didn't know it because there's an ice storm in the middle of the night. My CFO at the time drives me in his old Dakota pickup truck to go pick up some furniture from this guy that's liquidating a place. Right. He had a bloom company or something. So anyway, but we were getting furniture at that time for the early humble beginnings of Sharp Innovations. And, you know, again, so this is like 25 years later now, but back way back when. So I was like, I remember this guy and he had this TV show he was going to produce and it was going to be the best thing in the world for kids called Funimals and it never turned into anything. But he had this vision. He had this dream. Right. And I'm like, okay, I remember Ben. I remember the whole story. Like, okay, God, like you got my attention. Like, why am I here? And I won't say my wife gave a testimony on Sunday when I was preaching about something else where she'll have a story where she feels like she's heard audibly from God. I have not, I'm not going to say that I have, but I'm clear that I've had clear moments where I feel like God's speaking to me. And this was one of them. And I feel like, God was, and I feel like it was more like in my inner man, but it was like, I'm going to give you this place. Like That was his answer to my question. Why the heck am I here? I'm going to give you this place. And I'm like, I don't know if I want this place. <laughs> like, you know, like, I got a lot going on. I'm like, you know, we moved two states. I'm having, I just got recently married. I'm building a house. I, I run businesses, you know, having a baby our first baby. I'm like, I'm like, God, I don't know if I got time for this. I don't know what you're talking about. So anyway, you know, he said that. And I'm like, all right. But back to my previous point, even then, though I can speak with greater authority today, I had a spirit of obedience and I was like, all right, I call my realtor while we're driving. I'm like, I don't know what this is all about, but you got to look into this because God says he's given to me. And, you know, we go or whatever, you know. So like by the time I get specifics, I find out it's two buildings and some big developer in the area has it under agreement and whatnot, and then lets it lapse for some weird 24 hour window. And I'm back in Chicago, actually, at Strategic Coach in this workshop like locking down this place. And then, you know, I'm like, all right, so I have a signed agreement, some earnest money, you know, we're going to, how is this all going to work? Right. At this point, I'm like, I've never done commercial real estate. It's, you know, a mixed use facility, multiple historic buildings, like all this stuff. I'm like, this is beyond what I'm doing. Like, I'm like, oh my God, you're going to have to part the Red Seas to make this work. I wasn't demanding of him, like you said, you're going to give it to me. But it's really hilarious. When I look back, And then I realized how he did it. So we had tanks buried in the ground because the the property has crazy roots, like the Conestoga wagon being constructed. It has tanks buried in the ground from the original Chevy dealer there that were like, I'm like, is this environmental hazard? Like this thing ain't getting approved. I went through multiple (laughs) levels of environmental testing. I was like, you're going to have to part the Red Seas. And he did. The bank threw themselves at me. Literally, they were like doing stuff and it was hilarious because I paid it off yesterday, like I said, and that one of the guys that I met with to pay it off was one of the guys back then. And he was still like, I don't even know how we approve this thing that you've got. And I'm like, I know how it was approved because God was in charge and he made it happen. Like they had a structure of the loan, and the deal that like we've never seen anything like this. This is like not like it's illegal, but like we don't do this. This will never happen again. But it happened for me. So what happened is I had two partners in my internet business, put some money in. The bank did some crazy junk, and we literally closed on the place with and the old owner was a believer. The guy that liquidated his furniture felt hard times, was in prison, became like the property manager eventually. These owners like bailed him out with the place. And anyway, that guy that bailed him out. Loved my story. It felt like God was all over this and just he was used by God as a part of the story. So in the end, we actually closed, go to the settlement table with $0 out of our pocket. I wasn't trying to do that. And this thing's happening pretty quickly, right? And I look back and I'm like, wow, that's how God did it. Because he said, I'm going to give you this place. So he literally did. I had to put energy into it, but I put zero dollars. It was not a good time for me to do that. As you can imagine, building your dream house, like I'm in a spot where I'm like, I don't have unlimited money, God. Like, you know, I, well, how do you want me to do this, you know? So, but yeah, it was super cool. And then to see what he did since then, I mean, to be paid off as fast as we did while well, lots of other cool things happened there. We planted churches, we did other things. It was extended vision later, had nothing to do with that. It's just, Again, back to obedience, I was obedient. Some people feel like they can't hear God, which I believe that all believers can, you know, and so it's like, I didn't have that head trash, but I kept having ongoing discussion with God and through that, I mean, I needed his help on lots of things and he helped me every step of the way because he was in it. And the story where he, God's in it, it just, it happens. And all that you need to do is look for your marching orders from him, so...
0: Yeah, well, I think just like you said, God was clearly all over that story, and you can just see how at least four or five different major turns of events happened there to make that happen. How have you seen God work through that? You know, obviously, he didn't give you the whole picture then, he just told you that you were going to have the property, but how have you now seen God be able to work through that property and to do much more through what just started as a simple command?
1: Yeah. When there was, I mean, other connected stories too, were like the woods that were connected to the property that got added onto the property and like people that actually knew me that I didn't know I knew, like their grandmom died and like, we feel like you're supposed to have this, like all sorts of other things to happen. But I would say that, you know, I think God knew that I would, there was a time I went in this prayer session, we'll call it in India. I was doing some coaching and stuff over there ministry and yet I was like in the seat to receive. I was down there mainly ministering to others, but in this moment I was actually receiving the other way. And then the lady that was facilitating and stuff, I felt like I was having a prayer discussion and I was trying to talk to Jesus. I felt like he called me the lightning bolt. And I was like, I don't know, really like, what does that mean? Like that kind of sounds cool or whatever. I don't know, <laughs> I guess. But in that, I feel like the Lord has taught me that. And you can look at personality profiles, different things. One I use in coaching called Colby where they'll have a thing called a quick start. And so that's like a business term. I think people would know, but just like a fast start, somebody that just makes things happen, you know, get it done type of person. I am that type of person, but I feel like God showed me like it was reinforced with me. Like I know how I created you. I know who you are. I know who you are better than you know who you are. So I think he knows within my spirit is like, one that will take the ball and run quickly with it when he gives it to me. So from that, there are other stories like the Live With Purpose Church plant that – and he knows how to get your attention. Like my wife who almost – if you ask her like a specific question, you want a a specific answer, she's rarely going to give you one. She'll (laughs) give you things like it's fine. Like what does that mean? Say yes or is that no. What is that? We joke about it. But then when she does it, it's like – thus says the Lord, you know, (laughs) or like when she'll get up and speak in church, which is super infrequent, what she does. It's like so powerful. It's like, it cuts right into like the soul of a person versus me where I'm very comfortable talking about whatever. So that church plant, like, including my co-pastor to this day, like, I knew I was called by God. So I'm listening. I hear what he's saying. I don't want to do it. So he takes my mentor pastor and my wife and uses them to basically say like, this is exactly what you're supposed to do. I asked my wife, like, well, like, how confident are you? She's like hundred percent. And I was like, (laughs) so like super creeped me out. But I think he's used, God's used people to answer your question. It's a continual ongoing dialogue with God. So, you know, yeah, you can be obedient. It's one great, great. We took on Kingdom Crossroads, but then in that, I was like, well, whatever you're going to do here, you know, my mentor pastor spoke over the land. There's going to be a church here and things. And I'm like, Oh, what you're talking about? I have no interest in having any church participants Whatever, and that next thing you know, I'm ordained as a pastor. And I think the like a year or two later. So I would just say that we cleaned up a lot of things. We brought a lot of beauty to the town. We had a lot of different businesses and ministry intersect together. We were able to impact a lot of people's lives in the apartments that are there. And then some of them now are even a part of our church. We've converted one of them into kids ministry space. So it's a constantly evolving story of like, and we there's even talks and potential dreams now connecting a steel supported structure bridge between the two buildings and like if you would look at this and see like your church is growing you probably need to go somewhere else or you need something in conjunction we're talking all the neighboring properties we might like acquire some of them but there's been dreams spoken over different people the same dream it's like as if like this thing's supposed to be built so this is one of like the new live grenades that we haven't pulled the pin on yet and it's like it's another one of those stories of like, all right, how are you going to approve this zoning? Are they going to approve this? And you drive by and you don't know there's a church there. You drive by, and you're not even quite sure. I mean, it it's, looks professional, everything we do there, but there's just a lot of stuff happening for God that doesn't. You wouldn't know unless you got into the buildings, right? And yet, this would be a new prominent thing. It's just like God can do anything. We know this. The Word teaches that like, you know anything is possible with God, and I think He's given me greater ownership of that since the purchase of Kingdom Crossroads and prove to me that literally like if he's in it, it will happen, you know, so.
2: Yeah, it's exciting just to hear you talk about all the opportunities and it's clear that you are enthusiastic about pursuing growth for the kingdom in whatever form that takes. You mentioned that you've had companies for 25 years and you continue to start new companies and just from having talked to you in the past, I know that you really incorporate generosity into the way that you run businesses. Can you share a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, it's been a growing thing for sure. When I started my first successful business 25 years ago, that I really wasn't generous. Again, keep in mind for the first few years, I didn't even know the Lord, right? You know, I wouldn't say I was like a Scrooge or something, but uh, that wasn't in me. So this has been a post-Christ thing for sure and a building process. But I would say that once I got I don't have a date. I should have wrote this down, but I'm going to just guesstimate maybe a dozen to 15 years ago, you know, is when I felt like Holy Spirit gave me vision for the reverse tithe. And, you know, there's other people that have stories like that. Rick Warren, again, Purpose Driven Life, the book that was part of my testimony that have done really radical things generosity wise. But I remember getting that and I'm like, all right, you said it. It's going to happen. How the heck are we doing that? Right. Yeah. So, but in that, you know, certainly, if I'm honest, I had some doubt for sure. But like we all do, like, you know, I'm a human. Right. So, but I, I definitely had enough faith that it could happen. So I'm like, all right, let's just keep going step by step. And as I've done that, I've had a lot of time praying into that and like, teach me about generosity. He's put different people in my life including the financial advisors that I'm with now, Ron Bear with Bear Wealth Advisors that I've been coaching for more than a decade, you know, that there were just divine appointments and relationship equity that was building that was all going to point towards this. And then, you know, once, you know, Holy Spirit kind of lights a match inside of a person about something and you trust and you follow, then you grow in that thing. And, you know, for me, it's been sequential and progressive where I've continued to push the amount of percentage of giving annually and try to keep hitting, you know, goals, records with that or whatever. But, you know, lots of people do that, you know, but I really, I think it took a turning point in my coaching ministry, Live With Purpose Coaching that I've been doing for 15, 16 years, whatever. There was a turning point in that. I would definitely say in this last, you know, decade that most of my clients are believers. Some aren't. Some have gotten saved, rededicated their lives in coaching, but I very much have almost no passion anymore just to coach people to coach people. But anybody that really wants to incorporate the kingdom in what they're doing, they want to be challenged and stretched in principles like generosity. That just, you know, to quote my pastor, gets my baby jumping, you know, so it gets me fired (laughs) up and (laughs) it's kind of a weird thing to say. You're a guy, you know, like, I'm like, ladies are like, you never had a baby, man. What are you talking about? But anyway, if we, you know, I'm going to start using that. (laughs) (laughs) you get the visual, right? But, you know, so I would say, you know, it feels to me if you're not about advancing the kingdom and you're not about generosity and you're in business, then it's about you and it's not about God. And I have no interest in using Jesus as my business card and playing any of those other shenanigans that are out there, you know, perpetuating themselves as a fraud all across the marketplace in the name of Jesus. So again, I think since I've a very authentic desire to want to steward that assignment well. I think God's just removing every barrier from me. And now, you know, today I have certain entities like Living for God's Glory that are operating on a reverse tithe from when they launched. And there's others that aren't that, you know, I'm planning to convert to them. And so I can see I'm believing that I'm believing God's not taking me tomorrow because I need still at least a number of years to execute the whole thing. And I believe that he's going to let me see it. But, you know, hey, Joshua took over for Moses. There's other people, there are other stories, you know, Solomon took over for David, you know, so if my Joshua, my oldest kid or one of them are going to finish what he gave me, I don't know. But unless that's true, I feel like he's just given me a passion to say, what impact can I make with your businesses, your ministry? Do you have a focal point for that impact? And do you trust me to use you to create that impact? And so I do have all those things now. And so I'm growing in clarity and passion. I'm challenging people like, I mean, I know you guys are all about finish lines, but it's like, if you don't have a finish line at some level, I'm like, you're missing something so vitally important. It's not even funny. Like, you you know, you ain't hooking your your stuff up to U-Haul. You ain't getting buried with it. I guess you could come up with some sort of weird funeral, but like the reality is, you know, you should get to a place where you know, you realize you're already so blessed that you have so much more than most people in the world do. And then you should dedicate the balance of your life to trying to bring blessing to others. And I think that's the heart of God. And so, you know, for many people that are successful in business, not only my age, but earlier, you know, I'm in my mid forties. I feel like I don't need to work like honestly, but I'm going to do productive things in the world. There's lots of people that are way younger than me. that might get to that place, but it's like, and if you say you're a believer, then I feel like it's like, what do you want to do, God? Or you've already given me more than I need. What do you want me to do now? And then walk that thing out, right? So
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things you said in there that I just wanted to circle back around and highlight because I think they're key. And I love how you referenced Joshua and Solomon. And for anybody who didn't catch that reference, basically both of those stories are where God gave a massive vision to Moses to see the promised land and to David to build the temple. And then they weren't the ones to actually carry that out. But to be able to say, I have this massive vision that God has given me and I hope to be able to see that. But even if I'm not the one to see that, I'm just going to keep taking it every day at a time, whatever God gives me to do That. I feel like is such a critical attitude in walking out in the obedient life and walking out really the most, I think, purpose-filled, adventurous life you can with God, because that is truly, it's not about me. You know, it's, I want to see God's plan unfold in however that's going to happen. And so I just wanted to highlight that again, because, you know, you don't hear that all the time and that is huge. And then you talked about the reverse tithe. That's a big step from right in the beginning. And I'd love to hear some of those early years, you know, kind of taking those first couple of steps in generosity, either through your businesses or in your personal life. How did God kind of stretch you through individual steps of faith in the context of generosity?
1: Yeah. So I think there's the, you know, pre and post Christ sort of story, but I think, you know, in reality, there was a season where, you know, okay, you, you're not even tithing. And how do we get to tithing? And you're moving that percentage up, you know? And then it was like, wait a second, rip the Band-Aid off. We got to go past this thing, right? So after you're past that, then it's like when you look at certain stories, I knew like when I did things that I felt like God was clearly in, like the launch of Live With Purpose Coaching and everything related to that, which really back to that story in 2008, that's where most of my whole calling launches right so for whatever reason thank God he been pressed upon my heart to try to take bolder steps from the beginning from day one we tithe the revenue and you know not the profit and you know we've gone past that since but it was steps of things that and I remember telling a lot of my coaching clients over time that concept and especially you're going to some guys that have you know millions and millions of dollars per year and all this type of thing and it's like, whoa, wait, like it blows their gaskets like that. Okay. Like I get the profit thing, but you're talking revenue and like, how's that work? And it's like, it's all God's he owns at all. So, you know, that was something that I felt like painted a new picture for me. And then I would say steps beyond that. I don't want to give away too much of it because I know it'll be something maybe we'll get to with the manager's minute. But like the concept of a focus of like, okay, reverse tithe in and of itself. Great. You know, it's like, you're going to give away 90% of what you make, you know, you're going to you know, keep 10. Great. My coaching clients know this, you know, that I'm like, yeah, no, I look forward to the day where basically you're impacting the cause that I'm linked to. You're advancing the kingdom for almost every dollar you spend with me. And you're being blessed because I'm still giving you the value of my services. But like, you know, it's like beyond amazing to them, right? People want to be a part of a story. You're drawing people into a bigger story. And the heart of a human, I think this is true with everybody across the planet, they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And, you know, I think the spirit of the Lord is asking the men and women of God to rise into these moments, you know, so they have their Esther moment where they're, you know, you're born for a time such as this thing where you understand that assignment and you just go forward with it. And so, like, you know, Esther's story, if she didn't do it, what would have happened? But she did and we know how that played out. Praise the Lord. I think on the generosity side of things, when you have a clear vision with the impact you can make, and he gives you a personalized passion about either a certain people group or a certain specific way that you can literally hit a target, and you can be like, my life was about this thing, and I poured myself into it after I crossed my finish line where, you know, I'm not going to be about, I'm going to keep working and be productive in the world, but I'm going to make it all about the kingdom of God and not to be like, Hey, pat me on the back. Look at what I'm doing. Just be like, God did this. And people ask you, how did that happen? And I'm just going to keep saying the same thing. Push play again. God did this in detail where I think, you know, he wants the testimonies of our lives to point to him, you know, because he is who he says he is. He's never changed. Yeah. I think I'm still a key thing. I would think I would say is. You got to like throw out your brain when you're going to walk by faith. I'm not saying like be <laughs> be a moron or something. I'm just saying, you know, I could be like the little professor if I let myself roll my own device. Like uh, I'm going to be like, hey, what about this? What about that? How can I, you know, the strategic thinking and the practicality and all this. And it just needs to be like, I believe I heard from you. You're going to do it. I'm going to stretch myself. So some things I would say is like stretch yourself scare yourself, take a step bigger than what you think you should take. Sow seed into the ground before you launch a new entity, like, which sounds crazy. It's like, yeah, like do big charitable investments before you even make a buck. You know, you think of the pizza shop and the dollar they taped to the wall. And like, you know, we've all seen this and it's cool. And you know, it's sentimental and all that, but it, things like that, where it's like, God's like, you ain't ready until you're uncomfortable. You un- when you're uncomfortable enough, then your clay I can work with, you know, on my potter's wheel. So
2: Joe, you were talking about building businesses that can run themselves and you're talking about businesses that can last across generations where your vision would be carried on well beyond your capacity to be in there running things. I imagine when you add all that up, it ends up being quite a consideration on if you're giving anywhere close to 90%, that's a stewardship matter where you have to try to figure out how to actually give that well. How have you learned that along the way? And how do you think about that today of just stewarding the actual giving process well?
1: Yeah, well, I think so. To clarify something too, like all of my entities that either I'm the sole owner or my wife and I are, you know, co-managing partners and stuff, you know, they can all be reverse tithed. You know, I'm not saying, for example, Sharp Innovations won't. There's four other partners in that. And so while we're being very generous and we have a focus to our giving and all that, all the money that I would receive through that business, I could reverse tie that, but I wouldn't necessarily mandate upon the whole company to do that, right? So just wanted to clarify that point. But I do think that I don't know if you're asking it, but I feel compelled to just say it anyway. (laughs) So, legacy and succession planning and stuff like that, which is something I'm into, and I do a lot of them. And I think I might have said this to you, Cody, before, but like, you're never too early to have that plan. Some people wait, like planning their funeral, way too late, puts a burden on their family and all that type of stuff. On this, it's like you should be way ahead. If it's a church that you pastor, if it's a business that you lead. You should be raising up and equipping leaders way ahead of the necessary time frame to do that and thinking like a multi-generational picture. And so for me, I have my partners who are all younger than me, some notably younger, like literally 15 years younger than me. They are the current succession plan. And I didn't wait until I was an old crusty dragon to like bring them into the picture, you know? And then, yet I was an older papa, so I have young kids still, you know, my oldest turning nine this summer. And so they are potentially the succession plan to the succession plan. So I already have a three-generation picture. And so I think at some level to your question, you know, I would hope and have prayed that they will accomplish both of those generations more than I ever will. And I set them up for that and I speak that into existence over them. And yet, you know, it'll be how they walk with God. What does that look like? But a big part of stewardship and I would say generosity and all that is giving people opportunities ahead of time, believing in them, positioning them. You know, you don't have to. You think of Paul and Timothy. Paul wasn't like, get to a certain age, Timothy, and we'll come back to me. We're going to write some stuff in the scriptures. Like, no, it was like, let's go. Right. (laughs) So I think that's true. And what I see, be it family businesses or churches or any of that pastors that stay on too long, hold on too long in dysfunction and misery, you know, same thing with business people. They're like, what am I going to do with my life? What do you mean? What are you going to do with your life? How about you do what God has created you to do? You're not created to live to work. Like there's so much more to life, you know, but there's people that have patterned themselves in such a way that hold on too long I won't name some athletes, but there's (laughs) there's pictures of athletes that come in. I'm like, man, you are way overdue, bro. But like, don't hold on to your thing, your business, your ministry, so tightly like it was yours. And sadly, people do that. But if you don't do that, I think you can accelerate the generosity picture in your life because, you know, you truly believe it's all God's. And then you get your pom-poms and you start shaking them for the people behind you, right? And you're all about really like, Let's go. I'll jump in the boat. Let me row this boat for you. Where are you going? I don't know. If you tell me which direction, I'll just start rowing, you know? And that's not what you would normally see with somebody that's holding on. Like, this is mine. I've accomplished this. I'm scared with what I will do in the next phase of my life because my identity is rooted in my stuff now. It's not anymore in Christ, right?
0: So over the years, and especially as you're level of giving has increased as the number of businesses has increased and God has just provided and blessed what you're doing. How have you decided what to actually give to how has God led you and what to support? And what has that looked like for you along the way?
1: So I think there's a concept of a higher purpose focus. That's the phrase I would use. And what I don't like, and this is going to rub some people the wrong way. That's okay. I say it in love, but people have this sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle generosity thing where they hit lots of different tentacles that go all over the place. And I'm like, that's cool, but like, again, for real, for real, what type of impact are you making with that? Now, hey, you're a billionaire. You're probably making some legit impact with that, especially if you're reverse tithing. But for most of us common folk, you know, ain't going to cut it. So what I would say is this high purpose focus. It's like, okay, in a bullseye, you know, the bullseye in the middle and then there's rings that go out, right? The center part of the bullseye is what I'm talking about, where all of your giving, like one weapon of mass destruction, firing everything you've got into that target. What type of impact can that make? Versus spraying it out further out in the bullseye, right? Yeah, it's cool. Your arrows hit the target. But again, if they're all right in the center part of it, like way more impactful. So I challenge people to think of have a specific people group that you're drawn to, you're passionate about. You know, if it's like, you know, you want to see, you know, veterans cared for different, you know, you want to see sex trafficking obliterated. Like, I don't care what it is, but like get really, really clear on that. You don't need to know how to pull it off. That's not the point. But it's like he's put... I believe in our stories of our lives linking in our hearts to certain people groups. I truly believe this for everybody. And you can see it naturally because of the things that they'll invest their time and energy in and whatnot. So when you have that, all of your company giving, your personal giving can be channeled in such a way where not only are you doing more because it's all combined together, but you can also now say, how can my time, my treasure, my talent, you know, my relationships, how can all that be amplified? And then how can I challenge all the people around me connected to that, i.e. employees, vendors, whatever it is, all to the same story. We're all working together. Or in my case, I actually have one for my family, one for my main business, Sharp Innovations, that would be two different targets per se, right? But I have different people in that one business. So I let us make like, that's our target. For me, clean water is a target. I get vision for that and say, okay, how many wells can I dig around the world? How many lives that don't have clean water can I give? And I'm going to work to produce that result. Now, I'm not going to work to make money. I don't care about making money. I care about that charitable end result. And now I'm passionate about that. And God gives me fire for that. And so that's very different than like, oh, we keep making more money and having your board meetings and stuff. And what do we do? And the more money you make, the more boring people get and the more lost and clueless they become because they don't know what to do with it. Not everybody, but most people. And so, you know, I don't want to be one of those people. You know, I want to be a guy that's like, I know where I'm going. And if God does 10x what I thought I I was going to accomplish in my lifetime, great. Or if he takes my story and then the generations after me that followed me do 100 times more with that story than what I ignited, like then praise the Lord. Right. And I don't know. Maybe I'll get to see it from a heavenly vantage point. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Joe, so I've seen this done really well in some businesses, and I imagine this is a similar effect that you're seeing within some of your own businesses, when you really are clear on the purpose and people are bought into the vision, there's something different about the way that things operate within that business. Have you seen that happen as you've communicated that passion for clean water or whatever it might be in the future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're hitting a good point. And so again, keep in mind, I'm challenging and coaching lots of companies. The implement the same thing that I've done. My internet business, it's underprivileged youth is actually their target, but it's so like, let's take that story. So, you know, people would know what sharp innovations does, but now the story really is as we're hiring people, as people are involved and connected to it, it's like, you know, oh yeah, by the way, we do creative marketing technology services that help empower businesses and stuff like, oh yeah, by the way, like we do that, you know, and that's obviously paying the bills. But the greater story is is we're making an impact. And a lot of the communication that comes from me to the team is about the stories of things that their hard work has been able to contribute to for our underprivileged youth target, right? So culture changer is when you have something like this anchored as kind of like I'll call it the sacred anchor inside the business. You know, it's, you know, not everybody who works at that company is a believer. I mean, I would say I probably have more Christians than not, but I mean, there's still a decent number that got a mixed bag, right? And yet they're all, again, in the human heart, they're all compelled to that story that goes beyond themselves. You know, they're attracted to it, right? And so some people would be like, oh, the people that work here, there's something different about this place or whatever. I'm like, eh, kind of, maybe. But it's like the spirit of God is honored in this place. Our number one core value is honoring God. And you walk in, you'll see it on the wall. Like it's, we have to make no excuses about it. And it's like, you know, I'll be like, you don't even have to be a believer to honor God. And I'll teach you, Right if you walk with us. And so I think inside of that, people like, I think people do like to be generous believers or not. They like to be a part of something that's generous and impactful. And so I think when people take these steps that I've described and implement something like a higher purpose focus, I think it definitely transcends the culture Their business can do nothing but stand out. And now I think God looks at the heart of man. So if you're doing it for like, again, that Jesus is my business card stuff, you know, then you're missing the point. But if it's coming from a pure heart motive, I think it'll resurrect your culture. And I think it will do great things and God will be glorified and he should. So,
0: well, Joe, you've got so much going on and a lot of potential with many different aspects of what you're doing. What are you most excited about coming up in the next five or 10 years? And where do you see God moving?
1: Well, I'll tell you, living for God's glory and redeeming the time, man. That's what I would tell you. So living for God's glory is my most recent entity. And I had vision this summer, literally to launch another one called redeeming the time. Now it's to be seen if it's going to be actually a brand inside of living for God's glory or actually a separate legal entity structure, but regardless, that's more, you know, accounting mojo. So what I'm passionate about, and I talked about that 30 year stretch in front of me, I have pretty clear vision of like what I would do with my next 30 years. I'd strip it in fifteens, and my next fifteen from forty-five to sixty, I feel pretty laser focused. Now again, we just adopted a baby after about four years, and so she's gonna be going to college when I'm like in my mid sixties, right? If Lord willing, if I'm still here. So there's a little bit of bleed over, but most of my kids, you know, that will be closer to the 60-year target, right? Because there's a five-year gap between my last two. But in the next 15 years, so uh, we've been buying properties and we've reversed hiding this entity from the beginning. I mean, I talked about sowing seed in the ground. So like every time before we buy one of these vacation rental properties throughout the U.S., we're digging a series of wells. We're doing things where it's like, all right, God, favor of God, show me what happens. And all, and you know, Malachi, he says, test me. You can't outgive God. All that I've ever seen, everything around the area of finance in the Bible is like at the top of the list of like the easiest things for me to believe. It's those where it's kind of like literally like you just use your resources for God and watch him show off. So, you know, we've been buying these properties. Initially, it was going to be like we had a vision for like three. If you go on the website, you'll see them. Two of them exist already. You know, the third one's in motion. But they were like targets that, you know, kind of west, south, north in the U.S. And like, again, you get this vision from God and it's like, eh, it's a pretty exciting vision. But then it's just like, okay, you've been faithful with little. I can trust you with much. Let's amplify this thing. And so now we've probably stretched out to about 15 different targets throughout the U.S. and wanting to purchase them in an accelerated fashion, reverse tithing. And so what we want to do is basically we're giving away time with the properties to bless ministries missionaries families that can't pretty much never be able to afford a vacation make the places like spectacular and like show them the goodness and excellence of god through their experiences plus the paying people and so i wasn't sure that i would be into managing properties especially at a distance even though i've got teams and things like that or whatever but i really do love it and i love the challenge of it i love like making them stand out and be very unique and like and such like a special range and set of amenities where people like, I have not been in a place like this before. And then and call them into the story of the legacy through all the marketing communication that happens from the listing to the series of sequenced emails that they get after they book and stuff that explains the reverse type story, the clean water, what's happening. You're transforming lives. Not only are you going on an amazing vacation and making family memories, but you're changing these people's lives and like applauding them for joining the legacy. And like, I've had tons of people like see it, book because of it, tell me like they think it's amazing that they get to be a part of it. You know, people being into my properties, like praying over the properties and like telling me this. And <laughs> <It> just <laughs> stories coming out of it. Like, you know, it's early, early on, but like some I'm, I'm juiced about that and I keep getting, vision for what that looks like but inside of that the second part of what i'm excited about besides like you know these things are like straight reverse tithe which is cool you know and then all my other ones are like going to lag behind catching up to it you know where you know some in some cases it's like what well, if it's 30 percent or whatever it is you know it's being charitable redeeming the time so for me and i would just say that this is probably for everybody's benefit i mean what's the number one most precious resource we have it's our time right and so And I talked about the higher purpose stuff and generosity around time, treasure, talent relationships, but like your time, like how you use that. And so, you know, my vision 15 years out, the second half of that 30 really is to be radically pouring myself in in a greater fashion to be daily open hands to meet the needs of the community all around me, whatever God has and being able to be led by the spirit and be like, I can drop everything because I'm going to be used by God. And also with my children's lives as a grandparent, you know, I guess I'll watch what I say, but I'll just say my wife and I haven't had great examples in my eyes in terms of what I would aspire to be. So when I have Lord willing grandkids, I want to really be active, present, not just because they're my grandkids, but I believe the great plans and purposes and dreams that God will put into their lives. And I want to cheer them on in those things. And some of those family members might become part of the Solomons and you know, the Joshuas that carry on the things that I began and and maybe not, but they might be. And I sense that they likely could be. And I sense that even specifically about my oldest son, Joshua. So we'll see. But, you know, inside of that, I think relational amplified investment in relationships, because when we die at the end of our lives, we're never going to look back and be like, I wish I did this, that, and the other thing as much as, you know, I valued the relationships, I invested in people. If anything, we're going to wish we did more of that. So that for me, and purchasing these properties, a lot of the story is, accelerating the reverse tithe and me not needing to give as much of my time even to generalized work setting stuff. You know, I'm still carrying a huge load of coaching clients. Why? Do I need to? Not necessarily. I want to lead by example where I'm using my time. I have a quite a great life right now, right? You know, so I'm not complaining in any way, but I have a grander vision, a way grander vision of where I want to go. And then I want to model that before people and empower other leaders you know, that I know to say you can take these big, radical, bold steps, right? Become what God's created you to be. Don't be a slave <laughs> to work and don't settle for being anything less than that. And so those are the things that I think I'm passionate about. In that, it would be cool. Like the movie, I think it was called Brewster's Millions, whatever, the old 80s <laughs> movie, I think it was in the 80s, where he had to give away a certain amount of money, a big sum of money in a short span of time or whatever. I would say for people of generosity, like, There's nothing wrong with leaving behind assets or people. If anything, it's a legacy, right? But being able to be alive and be able to give away a lot of what you created while you're alive for God's glory and being able to participate in that is what my future vision is. And then really inspiring other people like that. Because when you're doing that, how can you not come alive? How can you not live a life where you're super fired up? And I feel like Apostle Paul, we should live like him. We should go out on fire. We shouldn't just like... Just make it. I mean, hey, people go in nursing homes, stuff happens, people break bones, like all these tragic endings to people's lives. And mine could end that way, physically speaking, but in the spirit, I mean, we should be as strong as ever, as close to Christ as ever. And that's everything we do in our lives should point to that aim. And so I think that's for me what I'm passionate about. I see that I can run after that, like leaping like a gazelle a lot faster than I perhaps did previously.
2: Well, Joe, to wrap everything up here, we want to leave some time for our manager's minute. And we like to end every episode with just a practical action that our listeners can take to step into their role as stewards and to manage God's wealth wisely. So Joe, do you have a suggestion for our listeners today?
1: Yeah, I do. Again, I already hit on it a little bit, but I would say in summary, I would challenge people to have a higher purpose focus. So a single point where you're going to try to give most of your charitable wealth in terms of not only time, treasure, talent, relationships. It's going to look like typically a cause and a people group. It doesn't need, for example, even with me, with my family with clean water, it doesn't need to be never thirst specifically, like go find an organization that you're going to partner with. It could be a range of partners inside of that, even to a previous question that you had, where there's endless supply. You can stretch that vision. It's going to be beyond you, which is a good thing, kind of to quote Toby Maxon. And I feel like the clarity of where you're going to give and staying committed to something for a long period of time, my experience has been, and I, what I believe you'll see is that the Holy Spirit will continue. I keep using this word amplify, but continue to amplify and give fresh vision that's going to ignite and excite you in new ways. And that Holy Spirit led adventure of the your life until it's over will never run dry. And so I feel like, because what I've seen is I feel like God stretches our vision. We can't handle the whole thing up front, but as we continue to go with that, without that clarity for me, I would be probably like a lot of other people. And I'm not saying, you know, tithes, offering, alms, like give, meet needs. You know, I meet other needs outside of my higher purpose focus, but I'm saying generalized approach is most of the weapons of mass destruction against a bullseye. And then for me, I don't know about who's listening, but you know, people that are on board of directors, they've been asked into these like higher level positions and stuff. And that's what happens is you get more mature in your career. You'll step into these things. Typically I held back a lot. I'm like, I don't want to be a part of any of that until I had this focus, but inside of this, it's like, yeah, I want to step inside of it. So like, whatever that looks like, you know, I'm not going to like spend no time with my family and be like completely imbalanced, but I want to basically say, God, however you want to use me inside of this focus, I will not put limitations on you. Right. And so I think lots of people lack clarity in their elder years, even whatever, 50s, 60s and beyond. And they can get very weary, scared, and you fill in the blank with a bunch of other negative words and fearful and stuff. And I don't think it needs to be that way. And I think if people had a that pointed focus and passion that link to all charitable things, because they probably at that point accumulated wealth, they're gonna have something burning inside of them that will not go out. So that's what I would say.
2: Yeah, thank you, Joe. And I just really appreciate that you not only walk the walk, but you have created structures to help other people discover what that looks like in their life and then teach them how to do it from experience. I think that's really significant. And I'm really excited to see how God continues to use you to build, to grow things, to pass them on to other people and equip other people to really lean into whatever that story looks like for them. So thank you for spending some time with us today just to share your story.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, I definitely think we need to be about others. And, you know, Jesus said that we would do greater things, right? You know, (laughs) And so I think we should have that same spirit when we're having relationships with others, where we want other people to do greater things than us. That's so hard for so many people. They want to do the great things. And I'm not saying don't go for that, but man, to cheer people on to do greater things than you, I think that's even more kingdom. So thanks for your time, guys. I really
0: appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show, guys. If you have questions about setting a financial finish line, the finish line movement, or anything else you heard on the show today, we would love to hear from you. And now I have a quick question for you. Do you know anyone who is living a life filled with generosity, purpose, and mission? If so, we would love to talk to them. They don't need to have a financial finish line, and they don't need to have all the answers. They just need a heart to steward God's wealth to the best of their ability. If you know someone like that, we would be honored if you would connect us. You can reach us on Instagram at finishlinepledge, through our website at finishlinepledge.com, or by email at hello at finishlinepledge.com. Finally, if you want to find any references or links from today's show, you can always find them in our show notes at finishlinepledge.com slash episode 81. That's all we have for today. We'll see you next time.